Blog Talk Radio. This is BC Radio Live with Philip and Well, I never know when that's going to kick in and when it's not. BC Radio Live with Eric, Lisa, and Philip live online at blogtalkradio.com slash BC Radio and aloha to everyone. Hi, tonight on BC tonight on BC Radio Live, assuming our phone issues are resolved, we plan to talk to Jan Atkins, editor of Betty Crocker Cooking Basics, and also maybe, just maybe, talk just a little bit about our new US president. Uh, today is Wednesday, the twenty first day of January two thousand nine, and this is BC Radio Live. The chat room is now open at blogtalkradio.com slash BC Radio. And the live video feed is now running. There we go. Uh, I'm Philip Lynn, button pusher for BC Radio Live and chief geek at BC Magazine. And I am joined tonight by BC Magazine's executive editor, Lisa McKay. Hello, Lisa. Hey there. And we are also joined by BC Magazine's founder and publisher, Eric Olson. Good evening, Eric. Good evening. See, only two words. I can be as succinct as Lisa. <laughs> oh, I doubt that. See, you managed to throw in a descriptive that. sentence. <laughs> well, once I was succinct, I had to explain my succinctity. <laughs> I see. Thereby perhaps negating it. It is yes. very out of character for you. Also, well, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm, you know, people can change. I have an ongoing debate with uh, Philip here. Uh, uh, we just, yeah, I, I don't think people do. That. We, we just watched... Uh, what is it? Sixteen blocks and uh, quite an oh, affecting, yes, quite an affecting performance by most Def. Yeah, he's really pretty amazing in that because it's very different from his other roles that yeah. I've seen anyway. And uh, anyway, the whole center center of his argument is uh, people can change. Well, the core of the movie is people can and do change. And uh, I'm on the fence. I'd like to think I- they can. Put, put me with Bruce Willis for most of the movie instead of Bruce Willis at the end of the movie. You know, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think people do really change. Not much so, anyway. so you're saying that Saul did not really become Paul? That's a name change. A nom de plume. Nomenclature is nothing. Yeah, but you're, you're, a, a ro- you're saying a he did not have a... Name. <laughs> he did not have a radical conversion experience? Okay, I will. I will make this allowance then. For the right. record, if okay. you ever find yourself knocked onto your butt by Jesus Christ, <laughs> then then I will believe and blinded and blinded, then I will believe that you might change. With like bushes burning all around you and uh, birds talking and every, every manner of uh, strangeness telling you to. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't claim that people can't change. I just say that people don't change. <laughs> it's not it's not impossible, just extremely improbable. <laughs> anyway, well let's uh do, do you want to weigh in, Lisa? I said it's just the cynic in you talking. It's, uh, it's, the, it's just that most of the time they choose not to. Yeah, exactly right. People can if what they don't they don't, so they must not want to. Anyway, right, one, uh, one last item. Let, let me toss one yes. more log on that fire. If people <laughs> didn't change, the recidivism rate would be 100%. Or wrongful convictions. My, <laughs> or my cynicism or to, be my own, to be my own devil's advocate, it just means they don't get caught. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, there you go. My cynicism, it turns out, is, is absolutely unbounded. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is BC Radio Live, live every week at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio, and uh, co-hosting and Lisa, I'm Philip. We all know Betty Crocker. We know Betty Crocker as the name to trust for everything in the kitchen, right? At least, uh, at least that's what I've heard on various commercials. Nobody knows that, you know, nobody knows anything more than Betty Crocker does. And uh, now we've got a new cookbook from Betty Crocker, Betty Crocker's Cooking Basics, Learning to Cook with Confidence. And uh, tonight we plan to talk with uh, the editor or, of that cookbook. If I can click the right button here. There we go. Uh, Jan Atkins, welcome to BC Radio Live, Jan. Thank you. How are you this evening? We uh, are loquacious well. and uh, philosophical. <laughs> I, I understand. As I was listening, yeah. <laughs> All right, I got a question. This has been, I, this has just been plaguing my mind for like 20 years. When I was a young adult, I met this guy who claimed to be Betty Crocker's ex-husband. And he said, man, what a bitch. I, I don't know how to respond. <laughs> All right, sorry. No, well, I really did meet someone who said that. And in retrospect, they were probably lying, because I don't think there really ever was a Betty Crocker, was there? Well, you are correct. There, there was not a real person um, named Betty Crocker. Uh, she was... Um, she just um, became, uh, you know, a name and an identity that became synonymous with, um, you know, helping people, um, answering uh, cooking questions, and, um, you know, just a, a signature to a lot of the responses, uh, you know, to inquiries that the kitchens were getting um, way back in the 1920s. So, um, yeah, you know, I was just really trying to tease you here to kick things off in a... In a <laughs> <laughs> throw throw you off. Hey, I, I have a copy of the book, by the way. Great. I am a total non-cook, and I am duly impressed. I feel like I, I almost feel like walking into a kitchen. Well, that's uh, how impressed I am. Well, that's that's what it's meant for. It's you know, it's a it's a book uh, designed for the beginning cook as a teaching tool, or anybody who you know wants to build more confidence in the kitchen. I think there's a lot of um, easy, doable recipes with, you know, step-by-step instructions and photos to to help that uh, new cook. You know what we don't have enough of? Measuring guides, and yet yours is on page nine. That Next. is how hip you are. I can never remember how many cups, you know, equals a pound, equals a, a hectaker. A hectiker, however you say that, uh, you know, and I'm always mixing up my units, and it's uh, there's nothing worse than mixed units. Well, I mean, you know, you'd be surprised how many people really don't know how many teaspoons are in a tablespoon, um, which is you know one of the easiest measurements. Um, and you know, if people want to divide something out, you know, it's even a I think it's even a, a question on um, you know some of the the games that you play. Um, You've seen it on some of the game shows. How many teaspoons in a tablespoon? And well, meat. sure. You know that's in my mind that's so elementary. But you know, I come from maybe a little bit different um, 
you know, come in a little bit different ways. So, but you know, you mean the, the measuring, uh, yes, somewhat. <laughs> I have for a long time. Um, you know, honestly, and enjoy doing it. I swear, I really did think it was two, and I am seeing here that it's three. It's three. See, God, now you've uh, learned something this evening. <laughs> I am so dumb. A lot of people think I'm pretty smart. I'm so. Dumb. Well, you know, everybody has their expertise, so I'm sure you are. <laughs> well, I'm not cooking-wise. So w- w- it, let's pretend that, that you're working with someone as, as backward and as recalcitrant as I am. And, you know, what's a good place to start? You know, what, what are good dishes that would be, you know, reasonably healthful, that would be something I would not, say, be embarrassed you know, to present, say, if I was having a, not a fancy dinner, but say people were coming over. What would be a really good place for me personally to start, or someone like me, um, you know, just, just to give a feel for for how uh, how it all works? Well, you know, I think um, all of the recipes in the book are, are very approachable, but I think, uh, you know, if you're looking for a particular one that um, you might just you know, either want to make for your family or just, you know, make for even company, there's a recipe um, called Parmesan Dijon chicken. It's five ingredients. Um, it's just a coated chicken breast and baked, um, very tasty. You could put a simple salad with that and, uh, um, you know, a bread and a fruit, and you've got a great salad with an e- and pick up an easy dessert or make one that's in the book. So, um, you know, it, they are, like I said, they, they are very approachable. I think the first thing that people need to do or forget to do is, um, you know, read the recipe thoroughly. Um, I think you just kind of forget about that. Do you realize, and, and look at the recipe and say, you know, do I have enough time? Do I have all the ingredients? Um, do I have, you know, all the utensils that I need to make this particular recipe? I think so those are some of the things that people just forget about. You know, you're absolutely right, and I remember the the times that I have cooked or tried to cook, namely when I was divorced. <laughs> uh, not before, not since. Uh, I, I I I felt proud of myself because the one thing I did do that I know a lot of people who think they know more. You know, I mean, I knew I didn't know anything. So if I was following a recipe, I really did follow it. You know. Mm-hmm. And didn't assume I knew something. Like when I, when I watched my mother or my wife, I mean, they just toss stuff in there. Hey, a little bit, a little bit. Hey, how about to try this, try that? And I mean, my mother's never made spaghetti the same way twice in you know sixty years. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 proud of myself for the ability to follow. Um, I suppose it's a, a somewhat more advanced to be able to uh, vary it a bit on your own. Well. Um, not necessarily. I think I think the first time you make a recipe, it's always good to follow it as the recipe is. And then you say, you know, I think that's maybe got too much of an herb for me or maybe it's got not enough salt. Um, what I suggest for people to do is, you know, don't use your um, cookbook as, as something you put on the shelf and um, prize, but that you write in the columns, you write your notes to yourself, um, you know, put um, – observations down or or tasting uh information that either you know your family gives back to you on how you might vary it different i think the more that you cook the more comfortable you get on varying your own recipe um and and make it your own and and the format of the book uh what do you call this kind of a, a binder it's like more like a notebook type uh um, spine binder uh, yeah it's not a ring binder but um um 
Spiral bombs. Spiral, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's yes. what it is. Cookbook style is really what <laughs> yes. it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and it makes it real easy to, to uh, you know, the pages sit flat so that it is easier yeah. to, to write on them. And it's more inviting to do so. You don't feel like you're violating as much. Well, I'll tell you, Philip and Lisa, I, I, I have I've uh, about used up my uh, cooking expertise and anecdotes. So I, I'd be really happy for the two of you who I'm sure are vastly more, vastly superior and more experienced than I, uh, at least I'm sure Lisa is, to, to please jump right in here and quiz, <laughs> quiz our guest. Actually, I, I do have a question for Jan. Do you find, Jan, that you're getting um, more young people interested in, in cooking with a, a basic type of cookbook like this? Well, I'm... I mean, absolutely. I, I think now more than ever, um, you know, young people love entertaining. And, and, and what better way than if they don't know exactly how to start out, this book is perfect for that. I also think that um, it's becoming more of a necessity to cook at home. Um, families are looking for ways to cut costs and save money. Um, but not only that, um, what you get out of a home cook experience is the confidence and the satisfaction in a delicious home cooked meal, and then just spending time with family. So, um, you know, while um, while cooking, a lot of people love to cook. I think a lot of young people are are yes, getting very interested in cooking and entertaining. Yeah, I, th- I think basic. I think basic styled cookbooks are like. It was actually the first thing I bought my son when he moved out was a basic cookbook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's he's almost 23. He's been on his own for a couple of years now. And he's finding out that not only is it fun to cook, but it, like you were saying, it's cheaper. It than is. eating junk food. Cooking from scratch saves money. Right. And and I think it it all you know studies also show that um, you know eating meals at home are a lot lower in fat and calories than sometimes eating out in a restaurant. So, well, certainly um, fast food. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, but you know what you're putting in foods. Lots of times, I mean, I love, don't get me wrong, I love eating out at restaurants. But, you know, there's a lot of, you know, hidden, um, you know, um, ingredients in there that you don't always know exactly what's there. And when you're cooking at home, you know exactly what you're putting in your food. So, you know. What is your background? Why don't you tell us how you got to be, you know, got to that position to to be editor of this uh, August book, and I'm, you know, I mean, cookbooks are, and, and certainly a Betty Crocker cookbook, and I would mm-hmm. think probably most of all a basic Betty Crocker cookbook are, you know, that's some of the the best selling books that are published. Right. Well, um, <clears throat> I um, um, started out uh, when my daughter was in kindergarten. I wanted to go back to school. And I was had been a stay-at-home mom, so my youngest was in kindergarten, and I was very interested in foods and nutrition. And so I decided well, I'm going to go back and and look into that area. And so I graduated from the University of Minnesota with a degree in food science, and did some internships along the way, and um, just kind of found my way into General Mills. Uh, did a lot of recipe testing, and then just kind of um, just kind of moved up the road. And um, now I'm a food editor on staff, and I'm also the kitchen's manager for the upcoming Bake Off contest. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us about that. Um, well, that is a contest that is um, every two years. Um, it is the largest cooking contest 
uh, we give a prize away of uh, $1 million. Wow. And uh, we are taking entries right now on bakeoff.com. So uh, we look for original recipes uh, by consumers. We do um, reread every single one of them, and we decide which ones go into the kitchen. We test them. And um, in the fall sometime, we let everyone know who are the final 100 finalists that will come to compete in Orlando, Florida for that um, million-dollar grand prize. Dang, that's a that's a big prize. That's pretty life-changing. Yeah, it have, is very life-changing. Do you have any uh, anecdotes from of people who have won before? I mean, have they gone on to do uh, any of them become well-known, you know, in in the field or Oh or? boy. Um I'm not quite sure about that, but a lot of them have used the money to, you know, go on and um, uh, you know, maybe open up, a, you know, a small restaurant or a bakery, sometimes in the food um of course, way back, uh, the, the very first contest was in 1949, so this is our 60th anniversary. Um, at the grand prize in, in, at that time was $50,000. Um, that was very like in 1949. I mean, people were paying off houses and saving their money for their, their um, children's educations. But um, certainly, um, you know, it's, uh, any, any amount of money that size is nothing to sneeze at. A uh, million dollars, especially. So, is it all or nothing? I mean, if you're the second place person, do you do you feel like going off and killing yourself because you got nothing? <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite sure about that, but um, you know that the it, it, it's it's um it's it's considerably less dollars than a million dollars. Second but place. Yeah. Well, it's it's um there's a winner per category, and then one of the category winners becomes um, the million dollar grand prize. You get so. a fifty dollars savings. Uh, it's it's like five thousand dollars. <laughs> so. Well, that is a gap, isn't it? it? It is a gap, but it's still still a nice little amount. It's, so. it's no big deal. Just nine hundred ninety five thousand dollars. <laughs> you have people <laughs> hanging their heads, <laughs> like gnashing their teeth, and oh wow, that would be you know. I think that way. It would be tough to get to second or third and <laughs> to be that close. Uh, well, that's wow. That's a big deal. I had no idea that it was that big a prize. And mm-hmm. gee, that's really something. I mean, are there rules? Can you like not be professional, or is it that's no correct? Problem? That's correct. You cannot be professional. It's for home cooks. Um, and all those rules are on the Bake Off website. Um, if anybody's interested in and. Um, and entering a recipe, very easy to do online. Interesting. And, and, and you Crocker. test them? Pardon me? You test those? You're, yes. you're, you're yes, judging them? Mm-hmm. How is the judging? Is it you have a panel or? Right. We have a panel um, in our um, in 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 our uh, on our staff that that um, taste the recipes and decide which recipes go on. Are you looking for novelty or just just how well done it is? Um, you know, taste, appearance, creativity, and and consumer appeal are are judging uh, criteria. Wow, you said like you said that like you've said it before. <laughs> I've been involved in a number of bake off contests. So. <laughs> so you have that down, huh? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, so you're you're but you know what we. The- we look at that, you know, we look at that when we're doing any recipes in, in our kitchens. Those are are are, you know, big big points. You know, you you obviously you're not going to taste a recipe if it doesn't look good. So appearance is very important. It's got to taste good. Um, you know, it's got to be it's got to have a nice new tweak on it, creativity that'll interest somebody 
and then of course we want it to be something that our public will like. So that's criteria that we use throughout all of our recipe development within the Betty Crocker Kitchens. Interesting. Now, are there other books that you work on besides this one particular um, book? Um, you know, there's a number of books that I have worked on. This is the this was my uh, book for the last couple of years. This is a, like a two year uh, project um, that we worked on. Oh, I believe it. There's a uh, but yeah, Betty Crocker has you know it has quite a, a library of um, books. Over 50 titles, not not only in just helping the beginning cook and, and um, uh, everyday cookbooks, but uh, you know we have a lot of ethnic cookbooks, uh, a lot of health cookbooks, weight loss, um, diabetes, cancer. Um, so we have a, a, a large library of cookbooks for um, you know every every um, palate out there. Well, the palette is. So you're involved in working with this cookbook and also with supervising contests. I'm starting to wonder if there was a real Betty Crocker, you know, how how close to her would you be? Oh, <laughs> in, in and out of her office every day type. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, you know, all of us that work in the kitchens, we have about um, 30 people on our staff: uh, food editors, um, copy editors, recipe testers. Um, uh, quite a large staff that, and we're all, you know, we're all called to be Betty Crackers on occasion. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a General Mills is a wonderful company to work for, and the, and the Betty Cracker Kitchens is kind of the, you know, it's uh, kitchen is the heart of the home. So we feel that the kitchens is is one of the hearts of General Mills. Now, when you say you're called on to be Betty Crocker, do you like put on a disguise? No, 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 no. I mean, it's it just it's just our backgrounds. You know, I mean, we're you know, basic. What what we do is we want to be in touch with our consumers, and we want to supply our consumers with um, you know um, meal solutions, and so that's what all of us um, strive to do in the kitchens. So you don't like have like a born identity kind of like you know, no <laughs> Betty Crocker passports and various. Locale, various nations, and yeah. put on your plastic Betty Crocker hair and all that kind of stuff. Where did that picture come from? That that iconic picture of Betty Crocker, very sort of, I guess, fifty-ish looking. I don't mean, I mean fifties, not fifty age. A woman of the fifties with the pearl necklace. I'm picturing in the carefully coiffed hair. Where did that? Is that a real person? Um, you know, I I think it's a, a culmination of a lot of different. Um, Faces. I know the last uh, portrait they took of Betty Crocker, and there have been eight, uh, was taken in 1996. And there are, you know, Betty has gotten a little, um, little more contemporary over Had the she? years, from oh, you know, she. from 1936 <laughs> to 1996. But it's it's That's why her husband left her. <laughs> but I have to say, um, we have a, a new state-of-the-art kitchens that were opened in 2003 in uh, at General Mills in in Minneapolis where we're located. Oh. And we had a big open house for the kitchen. And um, we have all of our, uh, one of the large uh, conference rooms that's right off the kitchen is called our portrait conference room. And that's where we have all the original portraits of Betty Crocker. And um, there was a little boy in that came up to me and asked me if I was Betty Crocker. Uh, that day I think I had something red on and I also, my hair is dark um, like a lot of the, 
later pictures of Betty Crocker, and I think he looked at that and looked at me and <laughs> must have thought that I looked a lot like her. So I have had someone in my life ask me if I was really her. <laughs> well, she is not unattractive, so that is flattering. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. So, so, well, the, so website you, is, uh, the website is BettyCrocker.com. Correct. And uh, I, have, I have to say that I went to a shop followed by cookbooks, and uh, there I found uh, some of the selection you were talking about, quite mm -hmm. a number of uh, books. And included among the featured books is, fortunately and wonderfully, Betty Crocker's Cooking Basics, uh, Learning to Cook with Confidence, it says. That's it. It's available on Amazon and also available from, uh, from BettyCrocker.com. came out in uh, October, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it did come out in October. Um, great, great gift now that, that we're getting into the season of um, maybe some weddings and showers. Um, you know, great uh, a book, at least as you mentioned, uh, maybe to give to um, you know that student going off to college. And also, um, a lot of men are getting interested in cooking, and we're finding that men that are retiring, retiring are are maybe taking up some um, new. Um, you know, things to do, and, and one of them be cooking. So it's a great gift for some guy who's interested in getting into cooking. That too. is absolutely true mm -hmm. uh, regarding my father. He did, he did not cook. He didn't cook any more than I do uh, while he was working. But since he's retired, he has got into cooking some, at least. Uh, you know, he kind of has his, his favorites that he that he reverts to. But, you know, he, he certainly is willing to try new things, and he's he's out and about doing that. And... He does laundry now too. Great. <laughs> well, I would just say that um, not only um, do we give a lot of valuable information, there are over a hundred wonderful recipes in the book, and um, a lot of pictures on how tos, um, which are very important for people: how to devein a shrimp, how to take a pit out of an avocado, things like that that you might just not know how to do. So, those are that's a, that's a um, a little booklet in itself worth the price of the book. So it really is. There's all all the <clears throat> basics are there, pictures everywhere, everything is very clear, um very very well presented and uh ab absolutely. I can follow it. So boy, that's that's a good sign. Great. It it must be simple then, right? It really must be. <laughs> and here's here's a final parting thought. I never realized Betty Crocker has a Minnesota accent, <laughs> which is pretty sick. <laughs> Thank you. Part, part right. of it might be a cold. It's not just it's not just the Minnesota accent. So. Oh no, it's it's very <laughs> very Minnesota. I used to live in South Dakota. It's a very familiar so, yeah. familiar sound to me. Well, I hope well, it's thank a you good very much, familiar. Very much. Jan, for spending time with us tonight. And, You're welcome. Uh, the book, again, is Betty Crocker Cooking Basics, available on Amazon or from BettyCrocker.com. And uh, we hope, uh, we wish you more success at General Mills. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Well, there we go. We, uh, we actually have the one guest tonight. So as I mentioned, uh, you know, we, we have a few minutes left. I thought we might uh, talk about the inauguration a little bit. Blog Critics live blogged the inauguration yesterday as in, you know, I was supposed to be working and instead I sat in front of a computer and, and uh, typed about what I was watching for a while. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping you guys both managed to catch it live. Is that right? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. 
I I thought it was quite um, quite stunning in both its its scope and the the width and breadth of you know the pomp and the circumstance, but to me it never felt uh, it never tipped over into uh, you know a coronation. It didn't it didn't feel frivolous. It did not feel forced. The 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 ceremony did not ceremonial aspects didn't feel fake or false or forced to me. It it all really did seem. It, it all seemed to fit together, and and that man, I'll never get over the shots. You know, looking at the the TV with the HD, uh, one of the few things the the networks are good for at this point is at least they'll broadcast in HD. But you know, seeing those shots of a million and a half people stretched back to the uh, Washington Monument, uh, I mean that it was just stunning, and the fact that there yeah. was zero violence there was i mean imagine all those people many of whom were there from extremely early you know in the morning or even overnight i guess and all those people crammed together in that you know in a in a small space very tight space for all that period of time in the, in the world's largest public restroom <laughs> yes right and with too few restrooms and and being freezing cold, man, it was you know it was like twenty yeah. degrees. It, it, was, it was an amazing contrast from two thousand and one and two thousand and five. I mean, obviously Bush's election was contested in in two thousand and uh, you know mid, pretty contested, I guess, a midterm election in two thousand four. So I mean, you really have to go back, you know, to Clinton or Reagan. Uh, I don't even remember there being as much fuss about uh, Bush 41, but I remember that the Clinton and, Re- and Reagan inaugurations were, I mean, obviously you didn't have close to 2 million people packing the mall, but, uh, uh, you know, a lot more pomp, circumstance, and celebration, and, and all of that leading up to it. And I, I think for a lot of people who, you know, maybe don't remember that far back or, or, or whatever, it's, this really is all new for a lot of people getting involved in politics for the first time. So, including my kids, um, it's come up before here on the show that we homeschool. So this week I gave my kids uh, Monday and Tuesday off, explaining that uh, the one-two punch of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day and the inauguration of America's first black president simply just could not be, you know, we couldn't distract from that with, you know, math. So uh, my my kids had a lot of fun watching the inauguration live on TV, and I, I suspect they won't forget it. My uh, my seven year old son, he he, my seven year old son was the one who uh, early early in the election cycle didn't want to go to the door of someone because they had an Obama sign in their yard, and he only wanted to talk to McCain supporters. But then by the time uh, November actually rolled around, he he'd he'd flipped and decided that he liked uh, Senator Obama because he looked like he'd be a, a good president. Well, every, every time someone mentioned Obama on the TV uh, on Tuesday, he, he started cheering. So uh, he, was, uh, he was very excited to watch the inauguration. Before, because I'm really eager to hear what Lisa has to say, and I, 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 I'm prone to talking too much, but what I want to say, the thing that struck me about Obama personally is I really – came away with 
or was reminded of, because I've thought of it before, uh, that he really truly is a humble man in that certainly he feels a calling. There's no question, you know. But his his sense of destiny and his sense of of um, of place and that 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 the conviction that he was the you know whenever he arrived at that I don't know exactly when that was that he was the right guy at the right time for the job I do think I genuinely believe it's not just an act it's not just politics that he feels that. I guess kind of like analogous to how I feel about blog critics, where I just feel like I'm kind of floating on top of of a movement, and and I you know sure kind of give try to give direction and shape and push and prod and this, but you know I, I'm just there on top of it. The movement is is all those writers and editors doing their thing, you know, every single day. And I, I, I think he really does believe that. You know, it's not all about him. It's not self-aggrandizement. It's not ego. It's that he genuinely felt and feels a calling, and he feels humble about that. He's humbled by that. And so, you know, if you can feel drawn or compelled to to run for and become the single most powerful person in the world – and still be considered humble, uh, I think he is, genuinely. I right. really do. As, as humble as a president can be, let's put it that way, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I saw footage on the news this morning um, for the first time of the president and the first lady dancing at the inaugural ball last night, and mm. they really had these looks on their faces that they sort of couldn't believe they were there. <laughs> and I, I just thought that was very cool. You know, they were just sort of grinning at each other, like, "Can you believe we're doing this?" I still, um, I still find you know, p- pinching myself. You know, I mean, it because it, it, it is still. Imagine if you, you know, fell asleep, what five years ago, maybe less, but certainly five years ago. You know, you went to a coma five years ago, and you woke up today, and you, <laughs> you saw that inauguration. <laughs> Oh my God! This is America. How did this happen? What? This is unbelievable. And yet, you know, it feels right. It feels appropriate. It does not. It happens so quickly. You know, they came out of nowhere. You know, it's really just what two years. Yeah, he spoke at the at the last convention, and that's really where he, you know, became known at least to the the insiders. Uh, you know, to the uh, politerati. But uh, you know, it's really only the last two years that. In the last year, probably that the great majority of the nation, you know, really became familiar with him, and and yet, you know, it just it looked right. So strange, but so right. Yeah. Now, now is the time. This is the place, and it, yeah, it, it fits. I, I know. I, I'll tell you. I know a lot of Republicans. A lot of Republicans who voted well. Clearly, I mean, numbers reflect this. But a lot of people who uh, had voted Republican for a long time voted for Obama, and I don't, and I don't think it was all Bush fatigue or, or anything like that. I mean, I, I know people who liked Obama, uh, or liked McCain, loved McCain, wanted to support McCain, and if it had been anyone else running for the Democrats, would have voted for McCain, but you know, Obama won them over. 
It, it, it truly is. You know, this, this is this is the this is the time. This is the place. He's the right guy for the job at this point. Well, he's such an interesting combination of features. You know, he's he's intellectually brilliant. He's charismatic without being going over the top. You know, he's he's not flamboyant. He's absolutely not flamboyant. Yet he's he's quietly charismatic. Uh, he's a brilliant uh, manager, an organizer, and and that's a skill that people forget how important that is. You know. I yeah, mean, that it, was one of the that was one of the things I think that really hurt uh, the Clinton presidency, for example. And one of the quotes I saw this week suggested that o- Obama is the, uh, the he he combines the discipline of uh, President George W. Bush with the intellectual curiosity of President uh, Bill Clinton. And if if that is in fact works out to be true, then that that seems like a, a wonderful combination. Yeah, well, going in, I saw go, the numbers, you know, poll figures going into the inauguration. He, you know, had something like 70% approval. So, obviously, he didn't get 70% of the vote. It was just, what, it was like 53 or something, which, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was electoral college landslide, but it, it wasn't a uh, popular vote landslide, you know, by any means. Uh, and uh, and yet, you know, that much higher a percentage of the population that now, you know, views him favorably. Um, so he certainly conducted himself, I think, quite well between the election, right. uh, which is a potential landmine, especially this year, if you think about it, all the problems, the economy, the war, you know, people wanting him to, to take a stand and, and whatnot. And, and that's another thing that Dawn, my wife, brought up. Um, you know, she is not and has never been a Bush supporter by any means. Uh, and and yet she's made a big point. She's been – every time I've talked to her today, she said, I am so impressed with the way Bush handled himself, uh, you know, during this transition period. And she said, by all accounts, he absolutely did everything he possibly could to make the transition, I mean, went way out of his way, like like to an unprecedented degree, to make uh, Obama feel comfortable and welcome and and to, you know, ease the transition as much as he possibly could. And I'll tell you what, that, that stuff like that counts for a lot. You know, it, it really does because, I mean, he, he could have very easily not – taken that approach you know he's way down in the polls he's way i mean he's way way down in popular opinion he's you know right now anyway it's 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 viewed uh you know uh, by the great majority of the nation as a failed presidency and you know he's been there for eight years he could he could feel very resentful i think quite easily about the whole thing and about the way he's viewed and the way things have gone and yet he was extremely gracious, and I think that really should be noted. Yeah, and I think, I would, you know, as, as someone who's, who's been a Bush supporter, this actually does not come as a surprise. And I, I think the people who are surprised, which I think is the majority of people at this point, um, I, I think that's part of what I've been saying, what I've been predicting will be a reappraisal of Bush. Um, People have been spending the last quite a few years uh, conflicting issues and projecting and not necessarily seeing things as they are. And I would say that, you know, I'm sure it's true of me as well. Um, and so once 
once Bush did something that they didn't like, whether it was invade Iraq or uh, you know, there's a long there's a long list. Uh, everything else was seen as not a misunderstanding, not a mistake, not a difference of opinion, but evil Bush sucking the, the souls out of children for satanic ritual. And and that's just never I, – I don't think that that's objectively been Bush at any point. I mean, I think he's he is a, a genuinely gracious, humble, um, you know, all of the things that, that people are seeing now that they realize Bush is leaving, I think they've been there all along. And, um, you know, the, this is another example of, I think, people not paying enough attention to the political process. Yes, uh, you know, Bush is probably more than usual cooperating, but it's actually the norm for presidents to cooperate with their uh, inbound replacements. Um, the one notable exception was when the Clintons left office and the Bushes took office, there were, you know, there were some serious problems left behind in the White House. There was a noted lack of cooperation. And there was one of the first examples of Bush's graciousness. Uh, the reports that, that came out came out from other people on his staff, and when he found out about them, he put a stop to them. So, you know, he, he, he was mistreated on the way in and overlooked it and would not reproduce that on the way out. And I, I think that that really is, uh, you know, it, it, it lines up with what I understand of Bush, and I think people will, will see it eventually. Well, I, I have, I agree. I've, I've said that too. I, I think he will certainly come out looking better historically than he does now. Not that that's saying that much. <laughs> but well, I do, I do think he'll, he'll go up. He'll be above Adolf Hitler instead of just, Neck and neck with him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I do think he will go up in the uh, over time, and 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 I hope so because I I've I've always had a certain uh, affection for him, and and I did vote for him. I voted for him last time, so you know there you go. <laughs> we won't hold it against you. I appreciate. It. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was part of the abom. The I was part of the abomination this time, though. Yeah, I think right. me voting for McCain, Lisa's gonna gonna hold that one against me for a while, right? <laughs> no, that's okay. We won. It's all right. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, you 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 have no idea how tempted I was standing in the voting booth. I'll tell you that. But uh, well, I actually felt pretty good knowing that whichever one of them won, for once I was actually pretty happy with both choices. Usually, I'm happy with neither. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a good election for me. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that. I, I think that was the the general tone was, you know, this is a pretty much win win situation. Yeah, I mean, there are some pretty stark differences, certainly on the defense side, especially I suppose most of all. Uh, but um, uh, you know, on on a personal level and on a competency level, uh, I certainly feel favorably. Toward both, or felt favorably toward both, and and could have could have lived, uh, I think, easily with a with a McCain. Yeah, in other times, I, I I would have easily voted for McCain. I think I think it really did come down to the moment and the time, and sure, very just just a lot of different streams of history coming together. Uh, at the right time, you know, when, when with a little bit of perspective of time, not now, you know, it'll it'll take a while. 
um, down the road, you know, the the Obama candidacy and 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 victory, I think will will be perceived, will be seen as almost miraculous. You know, I mean, it just was just this amazing confluence of time right. and space. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't just that his campaign did everything right. Everything else seemed to combine for the. I mean, you know, the the Senator Clinton campaign did certain things wrong, and uh, you know, it just seemed like everything on both sides. Well, uh, she like, was always vulnerable, I think, and sure. and he, you know, recognized that. I think he saw the opportunity because you know he could have easily waited. He could say, "Oh man, I don't, you know, I don't want to shoot my wad now." I don't want to go for it and lose and and be right. perceived as as a has been, you know, as young as as he is. Uh, you know, I f- complete one term, full term as a senator at least, you know, and get known and and uh, you know, continue to build and go from there. He could have easily taken that path, but you know, he he sees the ring. Um so, I mean, really it it just everything had to come together. Right. And 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 one more thing I keep thinking, and I know I've mentioned it before, uh, I'm pretty sure here, uh, is I, in my absolute heart of hearts, there is no doubt in my mind that the Obama presidency, the path to the Obama presidency, was aided by the fact that there were not one, but two different black presidents on 24. And they were right, well right. well portrayed. They it, it, you got used to it as a normal thing. Hey, that's not a black president. That's the president of the U.S. Oh yeah, he happens to be black. The you know the competency, the normality of it, just seeing it, the format of the show where it's you know hour by hour, and, and you're living it in, in theoretically in real time, and and the fact that the, the seasons that he was on or they were on. Uh, the Palmers, uh, Palmer, David yep. Palmer and uh, the brother, uh, Wayne? Wayne Palmer, the brother. Um, you know, they were good sh- ep- uh, seasons. They were well done. They were, they were you know, fun to watch. But, but really seriously, uh, I, I think on a subconscious level, that really laid the groundwork for it. Because so many people, it, it, was, just, it was just so hard, I think, to envision such a thing, you know what I mean? It's just it's so hard to envision something new until it's happened. Whereas art, art, popular art, and in this case, and, and the nature of television, where it's where it's there's so much time, you know, you're spent all those hours, spent 24 hours. You know, he was in every episode for for I forget how many seasons. You know, it was mostly David Palmer. I think Wayne was one season as president. Yeah, uh, and Palmer. and he wasn't on as much anyway. Uh, but you know to, the the commanding presence of uh, of of uh, shoot now is the actor's name has slipped my mind, but his commanding presence and what a great job he did and how presidential he was. I, 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 Haysbert. Haysbert, exactly. Yes. Uh, who who we all first saw in Major League. I couldn't believe it when I went back and saw Major <laughs> League. That's Dennis Haysbert. It was unbelievable. Uh, he was the uh, the the uh, Hispanic guy with the doing the voodoo stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, the player on the Indians in Major League. Uh, but anyway, his his uh, portrayal and uh, you know combination of of his skills as an actor and the way it was written 
and and the success of the show and the the nature of the show the the kind of day to day the pedestrian quotidian that's what I want not pedestrian <laughs> aspect of it I think honestly genuinely laid a groundwork in other words I think that Obama would not be president today if not for 24 how's that for a bold statement hey, once we finally got there it was it was bold indeed <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to dispute you either. I mean, five seasons of uh, Dennis Haysbert as president, certainly, um, it certainly didn't hurt. Uh, Lisa, do you have anything to add? I mean, I, I think we can, we can go ahead and wrap up the show. Well, I'll just say to, to Eric's point that, you know, I think that's an interesting point to make. And I think that when popular culture, uh, you know, because it's sort of the, the chicken and the egg question, you know, does culture reflect what's going on in society or does it create? what's going on in society. And I think that when you start to see images like that in popular culture, it certainly means that the time is right for them to happen. And I think that if you've lived through um, a time period where there's been a cultural shift, and the only other one that I can think of in my lifetime that I've experienced was, you know, the 60s, which really was kind of a, a big cultural shift, um, feels a lot like this in some ways. So I think that uh, I think the times are changing, mm-hmm. and I think that's a good thing. I I agree. I agree. I think that's a, a good place to stop as well. Uh, so we'll just say we've reached the end of the show for this week. Uh, thanks again to Jan Atkins from earlier in the show, and of course, obviously, thanks to both of you for hosting the show giving me a chance to kind of sit back, do my announcing, and then shut up. (laughs) I'm Philip Wynn. This has been BC Radio Live. We broadcast live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. So be sure to visit us to participate in the chat room, watch the live video feed. But if you do miss the live broadcast, and you have now, audio archives are available online. You can play any episode at any time or download any episode at any time. Or you can subscribe to the podcast and have BC Radio Live delivered to you each and every week to play on your iPod or iPod equivalent. Until next week, enjoy 2009 and aloha.